0: Hello, I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week, we've been watching the 1959 cross-dressing comedy Some Like It Hot. And just another final warning, we will be talking about the ending of the movie. We will ruin it for you. So if you haven't already seen Some Like It Hot, and to be fair, you've had over half a century to get round to it, go away, watch it now, then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right. On with the show. Some Like It Hot is best described as a romantic, screwball comedy. Billy Wilder's 1959 film stars Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis, who dress as women, when on the run from a mafia boss after witnessing a murder. We've got to get out of town. Maybe we should grow beards. We something. are getting out of town, but we're going to shave.
1: Shave? Shave. At a time like this, those guys got machine guns ready to blast our heads off you want to shave. Shave
2: our legs, stupid. Shave our legs? Hello, Mr. Polyakov. I understand you're looking for a couple of girl musicians.
0: Their characters, Joe and Jerry, hot-footed down to Florida as part of an all-female band, where they meet vocalist, ukulele player, and drunk, Sugar, Kane, Kowalski.
2: All the girls drink, it's just that I'm the one that gets caught. Story of my life, I always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop.
0: The filming was a famously strained affair, with Marilyn Monroe forgetting the simplest of lines, taking over 40 attempts at some. Other times she refused to leave her trailer until she was in the right frame of mind, if at all. This frustrated Curtis and it affected his performance of some later takes. Billy Wilder was also unhappy, claiming that Monroe cost them half a million dollars in delays. Jack Lemon was a little more forgiving as he believed Marilyn simply couldn't go in front of the camera until she was absolutely ready. I wanted to thank you for covering up for me. You're a real pal. I, I just thought that us girls should stick together. preview screenings of the film were mixed. In some, people walked out. In others, audience laughed so hard that important parts of dialogue were missed, so the film had to be reshot with Jack Lemmon playing the maracas, allowing time for the audience to recover. Osgood proposed to me. We're planning a June wedding. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can't marry Osgood. Why not? He keeps marrying girls all the time. I <laughs> But you're not a girl, you're a guy. And why would a guy want to marry a guy? Security. There can be no doubt of the widespread appreciation of this film, and it made a colossal amount of money. What may seem refreshing by today's pay inequality standards is that Marilyn Monroe received twice the gross percentage as Tony Curtis. we talking, made like $100,000? Could be. On their 100th anniversary, the American Film Institute voted Some Like It Hot the funniest film of all time. At number two was Tootsie, the film starring Dustin Hoffman, dressed as a woman. America. Are you trying to tell us something? Money. Later in the show, Andy is taking a closer look at the iconic final punchline of the movie and comparing it to some other famous movie quotes. And we'll also be revealing which classic movies the spoiler team secretly hates. One of which, without giving away any spoilers, is very much relevant to today's show. So now joining me as ever on our quest to give away those endings is a man who loves a list, Andy Goulding. And a woman who is never knowingly idle. It's Rachel Burnett. (laughs) Hello. So, um... This film, uh, when we when we first sat down to pick uh, the, the the films and books and things we we're gonna we we're gonna go for, um, I didn't choose this one, and uh, I don't think I would ever have chosen uh, this film. Uh, Some like it hot. Um, well, th- this just goes to show that democracy rules. Um, and so, uh, Rachel. Some like it hot. It's an old black and white movie. They don't make them like this anymore, and that's a good thing, right? <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm going to be on the defence of quite a bit today. Um, Actually, this wasn't my choice either. This was actually Andy's, but I went along with it because I do actually love it. Um, No, they don't make them like this anymore. It's not a great thing that they don't, but they couldn't make them like this anymore. It's very much of its time and it had to have those people in it and none of them are alive anymore. So no, they don't make them like this anymore. And, you know, that's fine, but it's a shame that you and Andy don't seem to like it. So we'll see
0: yeah, yeah, you yeah. Say, well we'll see we'll see let's okay. not, uh, it's not, it's not too hasty let not <laughs> get too hasty um okay well let's add a bit of balance here andy
2: um you love this film don't you um, well i'm afraid paul some like it not <laughs> oh we <laughs> oh. oh, have oh, been sitting right, on that andy, line all week andy andy, <laughs> andy i'm going to give you a
0: yellow card for
2: that line okay any more of that business and you're off uh, uh,
1: i think um, that makes, makes your argument null and void <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i i really can't stand this film uh I'm really but I'm really fascinated by by the fact that the only two people in the world who don't seem to like this film are me and Cary Grant. I just don't understand why people love it so much, but I'm not I'm not angry about this. Uh I just want to know why all these people think it's such such a great film. And I've watched it again and again trying I mean, it's two hours long, and I've watched it four times trying to understand this. I've really? wasted an entire working day <laughs> trying to comprehend what is so special about this film, and I'm still lost. So it
0: does beat work, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, I you know, if you you know, you'd rather dig a hole or watch this four times in a <laughs> row. Um, where's the shovel? Uh, but but and you know, I mean, let, let's look at the cast things. We like let's like look at the cast. Obviously, uh Marilyn Monroe. Now, this this film actually reminded me. That Marilyn Monroe was a film star. I think I've only really sort of grown up with her because of the obviously the big age difference uh, of, of, of just knowing her as an enigma. Really, I suppose you know of a, of a superstar, the the, the, the the subject of Elton John songs. Um, <laughs> the, the live version was better than the, the recorded version. But so, when did you first become aware of her? You know, because obviously you're, you're you're a passionate Marilyn fan, aren't you?
1: I am indeed. Um, strangely enough, it's um, a mirror that my my auntie had in her bathroom had marilyn sort of superimposed on it and so when i was a little kid growing up i always wondered who that pretty woman was and i didn't realize she was a film star for a long time and it was a long time before i actually saw her films i used to look at her photographs and people used to buy me books and things with her in and i thought she was just a model and then i found the films and some like it hot this is probably why i love it so much is the first one that i saw her in and when i first saw that sparkle and that first like that is why she is or was so spectacularly famous that she was the, just the biggest star in that film she could just absolutely light up the screen so i'm already getting very passionate about it no no yeah, and, and you are um, you're
0: right to do that as well sorry yeah. to interrupt you here but i think you're bringing that point that i, I want to emphasize that point because she does light up the screen that's mm. exactly it she's got that star quality and when she when she comes onto the screen here and I only watched it on a small screen, but I had a, a, a pronounced intake of breath as if to mm. say, "Wow, you know that that is just what a screen presence She's oh God, just yeah. just incredible. She oozes mm. onto the screen, uh, which which is why she she was there of all the fuss. And we'll, we'll get onto a bit later. And I think about the fuss, you know, because there have been documentaries mm. made about the making of this film, let alone the actual film itself, and and the, and the reason why an entire country uh, think it's uh, it's the it's the greatest ever comedy. Um, but a point. I, I want to make, and uh, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to your passion very soon, uh, soon Rachel. <laughs> but the point I, I wanted to make it on this is it was just what a big star she was, because uh, the, the, the money facts on this, and, you know, I got it off the internet, so it could well be lies, but um, she took 10% of the film's gross, uh, which was twice as much as Tony Curtis took. Um, and you, if you compare that to uh, to today... Uh, I think that there are some uh, figures knocking about, and again, you know, you, we take this with a pinch of salt. Uh, but Amanda Seyfried recently took just ten percent of the male lead salary, so something's gone completely wrong here, hasn't it? You know, mm. in the in the in the equality of it. Now we know that you know Marilyn's the star of this film, and the the lead, you know, the the. the, the where the money's attached to, you know, the Tom Cruise is where, you know, the big star, the where the pressure is, uh, the Tom Hanks is, you know, anyone else called Tom. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, you understand because they do carry the can, they do carry a certain amount of weight on that. And they, this is obviously Marilyn's job uh, to sell the film, you know, why she's so big in the poster and all that kind of thing. Uh, but something has gone h- horrifically wrong in the, in the payer quality of this, hasn't it?
1: She absolutely is the money in this film. And for me, she's the heart of it. And it would not be anything like the film it is without her in it. So she completely deserves the money that she took for it. But you're right. I mean, it's a shame, really, that these days it seems to have gone the opposite way and I don't really understand why. Although, I'd, I don't know, hazard a guess, there's just female stars aren't like that anymore. There isn't a big star that comes on the screen and lights it up for me. Um, there's sort of a legendary quality to her and an innocence that just doesn't... It isn't there anymore.
0: Well, come in there, Andy, then, because, you know, obviously you don't like the the film... Yeah, a bit more detail on that in a little while. But Marilyn herself, I mean, you mean? You can't deny
2: that, can you? Oh no, not at all. I've, I've got nothing against Marilyn Monroe. She's uh, she's not uh, one of my favourite actresses. I haven't seen her in, in that much, but uh, I, I think she she definitely has that star quality, and so much so. I mean, in *Some Like It heart she's she has a lot of screen time. I think the first film I ever saw her in was *The Asphalt Jungle*, where she has a very sort of small part as as a sort of mobster's girlfriend, and she's just fantastic in it. And I think I I wish she'd had more parts to get her teeth into like that, because as as she became this big icon, it became more about her looks, and you know she was she was just the jello on springs, as they say in this <laughs> film. So
0: while we're while we're on here, while we're in this in this area, then let's talk about some of the problems that that became of this, because I think. It's, it's it could be seen that she was awkward, but I, from what I can gather, it was very much an anxiety about, uh, about being on screen and uh, remember—well, certainly remembering her lines in some cases. But it wasn't always the, the always the way because sometimes the simplest of lines, um, just you know, the, the one-liners, she would fluff uh, fluff up and, and do forty takes. Whereas the boat scene, the love scene, um, was pretty much pretty. Well, all, it wasn't all in one go, I know, but it was it was still you know there's a, a big scene, lots of lines, lots of long lines, and uh, apparently that, that that flowed brilliantly. So you know, it, she had it. She She could do it just on different days. The the anxiety took over, it seemed.
1: It's worth noting as well during the filming, she was actually four months pregnant and very anxious and nervous about that because she'd had lots of miscarriages and lots of problems with that. So there was a lot of anxiety for her, and lots of um, sort of worrying, and it probably wasn't the first thing she was thinking about every morning. Oh, I must get my lines right. The other mornings, she probably felt really well and thought, "Yeah, I'm fine. I can do it." So I'll always come up with loads of excuses for Marilyn, but <laughs> I think yeah, she. I think she was going through a pretty tough time.
0: Yeah, well, there, there were a couple of other characters in this film, weren't there? So there was
1: uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> I hadn't yeah, noticed. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so, so uh, <laughs> uh, Tony Curtis uh, and, and Jack Lemmon. Um, uh, were they the right choices for this film? I think. Well, um, I, from what I can gather, I think Tony Curtis was was the first choice, wasn't he? And then Jack Lemmon was about third or fourth, something like that. I think. Um, but uh, what do we think? Could anyone else have
2: carried this off? I, I actually think Tony Curtis is is not a very good actor at all. Uh, he he was uh, often sort of hired for for his looks, uh, which I've never understood either, because to me he's he's not that striking looking a guy, uh, but. He he was uh, very uncomfortable with the cross dressing and everything. He he had to be coaxed out of his trailer to to do it. He had to be dubbed because he couldn't get his voice high enough to uh, to do all of the lines. So I think uh, he he was a, quite an awkward choice for that role. On the other hand for me jack lemon is the saving grace of this film uh he's one of one of my favorite actors jack lemon i think he's fantastic he can do comedy he can do drama in this film he's very much very much the former obviously and i think he i still don't like a lot of the scenes he's in but he's he's there plugging away trying to make it work and and he's the energy behind it for me he's he's what what the one thing that i can understand people raving about
0: there's a, there's a website called Images of America, and they they sort of bring up the point. And this is the only the first page of Google
2: I looked on this. Obviously, no, no one ever goes <laughs> any further.
0: Um, and that brings up uh, the point that when Joe and Jerry are, are in their alter ego characters of, of of Josephine and Daphne, it says they become better people. But I'm not I'm not convinced by this. This seemed seemed to me like a quite quite an academic study. I didn't spend too long looking at it, but I'm not convinced by that. I, still they still seem quite. I don't know, underhand or, you know, they're still trying to, I don't know, see, relatively, relatively, and, you know, you have to think about the time it was in, although that's not always excusable, um, you know, they're they're trying to see what it was like from a woman's point of view, but it was still, it still seemed a little bit demeaning to me.
1: No, definitely. Um, I totally agree with that. I do think Joe is a pretty irredeemable character. Um, And even at the end, it's like, I don't know why she would go off with him. You know, he's deceived her, manipulated her. He's not a very nice character. And so, yeah, I mean, not so much with um, Jerry. I think as soon as he decides to change from Geraldine to Daphne, he seems to launch himself into being a woman with his whole heart. And um, I, think, I think he does learn a little bit about being a woman, but he was OK in the beginning. He wasn't an odious character like Joe is. We already know that Joe gambles and is awful to his friend. He's not a good friend. Um, but Jerry, for me, is a much much more likeable character.
0: So I suppose what I'd like to know right now is just what Andy thinks of the character of Junior.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to, to clarify, Junior is is the second alter ego of Tony Curtis's character, uh, who is a, a millionaire. He poses as a millionaire with a yacht to try and woo Marilyn Monroe. And uh, in this role, Tony Curtis has opted to uh, play the character as a, a very annoying impression of Cary Grant.
0: Look at all that silverware trophies you know ski shooting dog breeding water polo water polo isn't it terribly dangerous i'll say i had two ponies drowned under me
2: when you hear it to start off with you think yeah that's that's a fair go at an impression of Carry granley it's it's quite funny but having made that choice to to play the character with that voice he then has to continue in i mean he he doesn't spend a short amount of time in this character's role he he is a he does have a lot of screen time as this character and it's it's just hard to to focus on the dialogue or anything that's going on just with this grating over the top performance
0: Okay, so hold your thoughts there. Later, we'll be taking a closer look at some famous movie quotes and also revealing which films the spoiler team hate with an unhealthy passion. That's all after this short break. Now, making a podcast isn't expensive, but there are some costs we need to cover. And, to be honest, it would also be nice to have a few quid to keep us supplied with coffee and cake. Carrots, my favourite. Carrot cake. I know. So, if you're enjoying the show, you can help us out by visiting our webpage, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, clicking the donate button and giving whatever you think we're worth. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, you can do that via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies each time. That's spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Or you can help us out for free and get yourself an audiobook of your choice into the bargain by signing up for a free 30-day trial with Audible via the link on our website audible have the world's largest selection of audio books including the secret life of marilyn monroe by j randy tarabelli which has got to be worth listening to for the author's name alone we get a few quid each time someone signs up to our link which will help keep our producer johnny supplied with hair dye and fake tan now back to the show
2: all right girls let's take it from the top and put a little heat under it
0: You're listening to Spoiler, and we are currently spoiling Some Like It Hot. Uh, and I think uh, if, you've, if you've listened to the programme so far, you'll know that Rachel loves it. Andy, not so keen. Um, so going into this myself, I, I wasn't exactly looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be honest, it's the prejudice of the old black and white. Um, now, Andy, I, I suppose with your involvement in this programme, I think um, that, you know, on those occasions we're going to give you the choice when democracy is going to have to come into play, when we talk about future programmes, um... There's going to be a few. You, you, it's fair to say you like an old film, isn't
2: it? I do, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that out, Paul, because I don't want people to... I mean, it's the first old black-and-white classic that we've done. I don't want people to think I'm some sort of film star <laughs> uh, Well, no, you're quite the opposite, just, aren't you? Uh, ...who just despises them. And uh, quite apart from from anything, it's a it's a Billy Wilder film. Billy Wilder is one of my favourite directors. Uh, so I guess one thing that that irritates me slightly about Some Like It Hot... Is that it? It seems to overshadow so many better films that you made around. Around, it. Uh, I mean, you made uh, Ace in the Hole, uh, Sunset Boulevard, The Apartment. They're all brilliant films. All of them, I think, would be in my top hundred films. And I can't just can't understand why it, it's this one flabby mess of a comedy that everyone loves so much. <laughs>
0: And they do, they do love it as well, don't they? I mean, you know, it got it's number number one. There. Uh, as we said in the intro, it's number one in the AFI, the American Film Industry's top uh, comedies, uh, closely followed by
2: Tootsie. So come on, you know, what's what's going on, America? Uh, but I am a fan of Tootsie, actually. So uh, it's not it's not drag comedy that I'm against either.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just obviously. Wait, uh, well, let's face it, it's Tony Curtis, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. See, i love the film but even i can't stand him or the character so yeah
0: yeah but I, for me there was a certain style. i haven't watched a film like this i mean for years and years and years not even on a rainy wednesday afternoon um you know if, if uh, uh, i don't know really if it's not in the last two years maybe 18 months <laughs> um then i am that philistine you were talking about Andy, you know and you know and, and happy to hold my hands up and, and and say it um but this this was it this was very pleasant for me actually sort of going back and looking and just seeing the way that the, the the scenes go, and it's, it's, it's again. When we said at the top of the show, they don't make them like this anymore. It's not. It's not about everything else. Sometimes it's about the the style of the way the scenes are. The pausing at the end of a scene where actually nothing's going on, but they're just pausing. And it. but it's the it's the way it flows out at the end of the scene. But I'd also like to talk about. Uh, the soundtrack to this because really I mean that's another part that when Marilyn starts you know uh, starts singing um, I, I wrote it down I wrote it down on here as well i will put it in highlights lush is the word I use <laughs> uh, about and I don't know I know I'm not afraid to say it I'm going to say it again lush <laughs> is, I
1: totally agree with that is
0: the, is, the, is the soundtrack just the way it goes and also the fact that there's a reprise as well and you don't get I, I you just don't you don't see that anymore <laughs> you don't see it anymore and, and, and a reprise when I talk about a reprise I don't know if I'm using the right terminology here, Rachel, you're the musician amongst the group, <laughs> where where the, the music carries on and, and flows through. So, you know, it builds into the next scene. So uh, at the end of uh, I Want to Be Loved By You, then, you know, the, the score follows it and, and builds into the next scene. Um, so, you know, Wilder's obviously got that 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 talent there, isn't it? You know, but but also it's, it's something of that era um, that, that really stuck out to me. And it sort of seems a shame that maybe, I don't know, maybe a modern day musical should really, you know, sort of pick up on. Am I right in calling this a musical? Is it a musical, I, I think? I think we we called it I love the word screwball. Screwball comedy. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I would describe that about most things. Um but I don't know I think it's a musical really.
1: I, I think it probably is. I mean there's there's a band and they sing and um they don't sing about what's going on in the film per se. Um I don't know, Andy, you're you're a bit of a film fiction what what denotes a musical? When does it become just a film with songs in and then it becomes a musical? Um,
2: I I mean I don't think that there's any sort of well established parameters i i wouldn't say this was a music i'd say it's more of a film with music mm-hmm. because i think i, I agree with paul and the the musical sections are bright spots in it so obviously there must be very few of them because i don't recall many bright <laughs> spots in it from from when i was watching it but uh if you consider any any film with with musical numbers in to be a musical then it, this could plausibly be called one
1: see i think that's another reason it's such a classic if you think about um, it's not a musical maybe, then, but it's still got two songs, I Want to Be Loved By You and I'm Through With Love, which are still classics and American standards, which are sung in jazz clubs all over the world. And that, they're just two songs that were in a film. Mm. So, you know, there's some strong stuff in there, you know, regardless of Tony Curtis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, we, we'll stick with screwball. <laughs> just well, it's, it's a great word. Yeah, yeah but I, th- I think overall, I did, I did find it, Rather enchanting, and I did think, well, I'm, I'm really pleased to be involved now with the spoiler uh, thing because I know that there's going to be more like this, more films like this. I'll that... pick
2: some better ones for you.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, but but it, it's relatively. I was going. I was about to say this film's very very divisive uh, because obviously we've got two opposite ends of the spectrum in the in the studio, but I'm sitting on the fence with it <laughs> um, because I, I don't know. It's a comedy. I, I don't. I don't get. The fact that it's hilarious, I don't get it, but I think that's just because times have changed. It must have been so outrageous, um, you know, for, for for two Hollywood film stars and, you know, to, to, to be uh, cross-dressing, I, I, I suppose, is the, is the way of saying it. But, you know, with the, with the way they, they had to re- Shoot the film because the audiences the preview audiences um uh, 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 add extra maracas bits in because that didn't hold for me it was just shaking maracas, you know i was thinking where's his, where's his lines going? but that was they put those in there um to, to because the audience laughed at, you know because the audience weren't getting crucial parts of the of the dialogue um you know they they would go in crazy for it and, and and have done ever since
2: uh yeah i mean it's a mystery to me <laughs> yeah <but laughs> again that that's that is jack Lemon, and I think jack lemon's performance is is the saving grace in it even though i still don't don't find all of it all of his pieces that funny i mean i find it incredibly repetitive we keep going over and over these these same points that they're dressed as women and that's funny and that uh jack lemon's on a date with uh, osgood and that he's he's starting to enjoy it and that's funny and I mean, there's 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 one scene where we the camera actually seems to be bouncing backwards and forwards between the action on the yacht and the action with uh, with Osgood and and the date with Jerry, and it just it just goes on and on and on. I, just, <laughs> I was just sitting there, wait. I mean. I say I've I've watched this four times, this film. There were gaps of many years between those times. (laughs) And the, the third time I watched it, I sat down to watch it, still fully expecting to eventually see something in it and understand what everyone loved about it. And I did some, at that point in the film that I just talked about, I did something which I never do. I stopped the film yeah. and I had to go and have a half an hour break just to <laughs> Shocking. just because I, I felt I couldn't get through it. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't drag myself through any more of this film. Uh, that's I mean it's not it's not just that I I don't find it funny. I find it really tedious.
0: Well, Andy, I can only apologise. I mean, I have a counselling qualification. If you ever feel uh, I, I, I do have advanced yeah. diploma in counselling. If you ever feel uh, like you, you you know you you're being forced to. Put yourself through uh, one of our, our spoiler features, then uh, you know. Give them, give <laughs> I me mean, a call. I,
2: I chose this film, so obviously there, there's saying. some issues. You've only, you've, only your, you've only got yourself to <laughs> It was to help me understand. I mean, I was hoping Rachel could ex- explain to me. I mean, just for for one example, there's there's a really long uh, set piece on a train, which just gets more and more boisterous. But there's there's no point in it where it seems to be change it getting funnier or anything it just it's based around a, a big group of women all packing themselves into a small bunk jack lemon's bunk and it just seems it seems to go on forever and i sat there completely stony faced, watching it <laughs> wondering how is is anyone roaring with laughter at this this scene which uh i mean i know it's, it's a silly film anyway but it, it stretches credibility to me because there's there's two sort of authority figures on the train who are supposed to sleep through this entire scene and it's the most obnoxiously loud and it, I just can't understand it. I feel like I'm having an on-air breakdown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not helping at all, I'm just watching it happen.
2: Now <laughs> so what did you think of that scene?
1: No, see, I really like that. What I really like about that scene as a woman watching that scene, is that these women are not behaving as they're meant to in, in films like that. They're meant to be all genteel and just walking along. And they're boisterous and they're having fun and they're being silly and they're drinking when they shouldn't be drinking and being daft and putting ice cubes down somebody's top. And you know, I really like that. I like the fact they're a bit naughty. And when, as I was growing up as a teenager, I thought, this is great. Black and white films have normally got all buttoned up and you know, these girls are just having a really good time. They're just like me. And I really liked that. I thought that was great.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's, it's good to see that that sort of freedom. But I think that point is, could be made in a, in a shorter period of time.
0: In the meantime, I'm going to go and hide the ice cubes. Right. OK, let's move, let's move on. Okay, so we've heard now, I think we've got to gauge just how much Andy hates. <laughs> and, and the word hate here is, is, is relevant there. Uh, some like it hot. So uh, we uh, we spent a bit of time uh, thinking individually, and we're now going to bring it around the table, uh, as to films that we hate. Uh, who are we going to go for first? Andy, your name's first in the alphabet. So Rachel. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, you, come on, knock, knock us with some that, that, that you think maybe other people would like that, that you... Well,
1: I think there's films that, as a girl of a certain age, I'm meant to like. I'm meant to really like Love Actually, and I'm meant to love Greece, and I hate them both with a passion, mm-hmm. with a really strong passion. <laughs> Especially Love Actually, which really? I I hate. Love Actually guess, oh, it's Richard Curtis. Oh, it's Richard Curtis. <laughs> no, I absolutely despise <laughs> it. <laughs> no, the first time I saw it, I expected to just love it because I do like Richard Curtis films. I like Notting Hill, and you know he's great at writing romance. I thought, and um, and then I watched Love Actually with a group of girlfriends and they were oh isn't it romantic oh isn't it lovely? i was just sat there going oh what am i watching i just wanted just one of the stories and i don't want all the rest of them it was just oh no and the more i watch it, and i do watch it. i'm like you i look for it i look for, <laughs> why do people love diamonds? i must watch it again and why I watch do we it do this to us i do right. but i watch it every time it's on like, right this time this time it'll connect and it, it never has i hate it Okay,
0: <laughs> I've no idea what to say. There. You know what? It's funny but when you talk about that. You say you love Notting Hill. The, re- the reason, the reason I roll my sleeves up not beyond my elbows is because of watching um, Hugh Grant walk through the rain in Notting Hill. Oh dear, it's too much. Right, okay, uh, Andy.
2: Well, obviously something like that. But uh, I, I would say uh, Forrest Gump is a, is a film that. That everyone seems to love, which I'm—I've just never been particularly keen on. I think it's very heavy-handed. Very—I uh, think Tom Hanks's Oscar-winning performance in it is—is is too much. I don't—I don't connect with that character. I think he's laying it on really thick. I think it again. It—I mean, I know it, it's an epic and it, it's meant to have those sort of proportions, but it. The minute he starts running, I just have to go and have a lie down in a dark room. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, I can't sit through it. I quite, I quite like Grease, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle with this, you know. I struggle. I don't really hate much.
0: I, I, I'm very much a very sitting on the fence kind of character. <laughs> um, but I... And the thing is, also, I, I've made a couple of uh, suggestions here. And I think probably these are very divisive films, actually. You either love My Home. Um But as with some Like It Hot, actually, I suppose, I'd, I'd sit on the fence because I. Only God Forgives. Have you seen Only, Only God Forgives? Is a Ryan Gosling film. Now, we went through a phase of watching everything Ryan Gosling did almost back to back because I'd not really heard of him before I was quite late to the party with Ryan Gosling but wow look at that guy on screen isn't he amazing he's He's chewing it uh up fantastic just like Tom Hardy now if a film comes out with him in it whether I want to watch it or not I'm going to you know, just because he's got that star quality but only God forgives my God it was dirge (laughs) and this is actually for, for as far as I can remember the only film I've turned off after about say three quarters of an hour something like that I could see that it was well lit I could see that it was well filmed but it was well-lit, well-filmed dirge. Um, and I, I don't know, the, the, something tells me, and when I was writing this today, when I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, well, do you know, I might go back to it. I watched the trailer and looked at it and I thought, I might go back to it. I might go and have another look at it. Different circumstances, can. no, I probably won't know. But the other one is the uh, Spring Breakers. Which has anyone around the table seen Spring Breakers? I, I, I'm no, not. Uh, I No, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> now, this film, I don't know. There, there'll be someone out there who's seen it. And I I, I I can't work out if. And you'll know the scene I'm talking about where they sing this Britney Spears song. And I just can't work out if this sheer genius or a complete pile of trash. And trash is the right word. Um, and again, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But I'm I'm thinking both of those films I should go back and watch Um,
2: I've never never seen either of those But I've seen uh, films by both those directors Which everyone loved, which I hated Harmony Cohen, Kids, which I thought was Mm. terrible At the time that was was a a very big film And uh, Drive, I couldn't stand Drive You are kidding me I love Drive (laughs) Absolutely hate it
0: Andy, we're going to fall out. Right, OK. So this, this, is, this is what I said at the top of this feature about the, the word hate. It's not, it's not bringing me good vibes. We need to move on. So back now to some Like It Hot and the ending. Before we get to the, uh, the brouhaha that's always built up around this ending, uh, our very own Andy Goulding has been looking at some other classic comedic lines.
2: Nothing sucks the fun out of a joke like analysing it. And yet one of the most beloved gags in film history... Some Like It Hot's famous Nobody's Perfect Climax has been considered from almost every angle since it originally tickled audiences' ribs in
0: 1959. That's good. I'm gonna level with you. We can't get married at all. Why not? Well, in the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children.
2: We can adopt some.
0: But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect.
2: For many critics, it represents a gloriously funny encapsulation of the moment human desperation reaches its extreme, and the determination to hang on to elusive happiness negates all other concerns. While it is a well-conceived final comedic flourish, I think the Nobody's Perfect scene has been overrated as a humorous exchange, sanctified by insistent repetition, when really it is as disposably chucklesome as one of Groucho Marx's one liners. In Preston Sturge's 1947 film, The Sin of Harold Diddlebock, the newly unemployed and formerly teetotal Harold finds himself in a bar ordering his first drink.
0: He's about to have his first drink. His first drink? I've drowned my kittens. This is quite
2: a moment. When the barman realises he means not his first drink of the day, but his first drink ever, he replies. You arouse the artist in me. Herein lies a depiction of the untapped potential of the working class. The laughter stems from confounding our expectations of how both movie and real-life barmen act and challenging our prejudices about the limitations of those who serve us from behind counters. There is also a pleasing juxtaposition of Harold's potential descent into the barbaric primitivism of alcohol abuse with the unlocking of the barman's prospective vocational ingenuity by way of the same ethically ambiguous key. Brian The babe They call
0: Brian
2: in Terry Jones's 1979 classic, Monty Python's Life of Brian, Brian Cohen finds himself reluctantly adopted as the new messiah to a crowd of confused, but persistent worshippers. Addressing them en masse, Brian tells them,
0: Look, you've got it all wrong. You don't need to follow me. You don't need to follow anybody. You've got to think for yourself. You're all individuals.
2: To which the crowd replies as one,
0: Yes, we're all individuals!
2: Brian tries again,
1: We're all different! Yes, we are all different! At
2: this point, a lone, downhearted voice sighs, I'm not! And the rest of the crowd replies, Here we see not only the contradictions of organised religion, but also an example of how dissenters to any widely accepted opinion end up disenfranchised as a result of their differences. Contradiction also plays a key role in my third example, which for me represents the most concisely brilliant one-liner in film history. In Stanley Kubrick's 1964 satire Dr. Strangelove, a group of politicians and military men assemble at the Pentagon in an attempt to prevent the outbreak of a nuclear war. When discussions descend into fisticuffs between an American general and the Soviet ambassador, the president intervenes with the line. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Here is the absurdity of conflict, both large and small, and reflected in the conflict of language. This beautifully constructed line epitomises the power of comedy, a genre so often belittled as frivolous and trivial, to examine the human condition, perhaps more incisively than any other. And in all cases, the broad conclusion seems to be that, try as we might, nobody's perfect.
0: and oh, nobody's perfect... Indeed. And uh, there'll be some around this table that say this film <laughs> isn't perfect. But, R- Rachel, t- talk to me. Build, the, build, <laughs> build this ending up and, and, and tell me why it is such. It is regarded, isn't it? There, there is that brouhaha, that lovely phrase there, <laughs> the brouhaha uh, about the ending of this film.
1: And especially about that final line. And amazingly, nobody will take credit for it, even though it's really, really famous. Billy Wilder says he didn't write it. And it was a throwaway line. They've just put it in there and said, we'll put something better in later. And they never did because it didn't need replacing. And I don't think it's the final line that is the funniest thing. I think it's the fact that Jack Lemon's desperately trying to get through to this guy. I can't marry you because I smoke and I do this and I do that. And this guy's, oh, I've got an excuse for that. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. And eventually he rips his wig off. Hurrah. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's terrible. And, um, and um, he says oh, I'm a man, in a good manly voice. Nobody's perfect. And it's that lovely acceptance. And you almost think, do you know what? That probably could work out. Yeah. So, no, I th- I think it's lovely. I think it's a really nice line. I think it says a lot about acceptance. And, you know, Osgood's been through a lot of women. And <laughs> may- maybe this is the difference.
2: <laughs> so, you the know,
0: turn. Andy, I, I can't believe you're going to say anything bad about that line. I, it's, it's a, it is a a great line. It's a perfect line.
2: I. I, d- I don't think it's a bad ending at all, no. I, I do think it, it's a good line. I, I don't think you were just happy it ended. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's the, the only film where I, I always guarantee I cry at the end just <laughs> from sheer relief. No, I, th- I think it, it's a good ending. Uh, I think it's it's maybe been been built up over the years with how much it's been discussed. But I don't believe, I mean, some people say, oh, people just pretend to set, to think it's funny because everyone always says they have to think that. Nah, I don't believe that at all. Even though, you know, this is, this is an audience who had to have the film reshot because they found maracas funny, remember that? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but no, I think it's, it's a decent light. Interestingly enough, I I suspect it may have been slightly stolen from a cartoon that came out uh, years before. It's a cartoon called "I've Got Plenty of Mutton," uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, uh, it sounds a classic. It was about a. Uh, Is that on YouTube? <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Yeah, it's about it's about a starving wolf who wants to get to a, a flock of sheep, but it, it's being guarded by a very uh, angry ram. And so to distract the ram, uh, the the wolf dresses up as a a sexy Uh, you and then gets very aggressively pursued by this ram. Right at the very end of of the cartoon, the wolf tears off the sheep costume and he says, I'm a wolf. And the ram says, so am I, and continues to pursue him. And I think that's a very similar joke. I wouldn't be surprised if someone involved in writing something like it had seen that. And maybe subliminally put it in there right,
0: okay well Andy you should be congratulated for use of the phrase aggressively pursued there fantastic uh, okay we well, I only to wrap up now and uh, as always we use a different scale different marking scale because all markings pointless anyway uh, so we might as well use a different scale now uh, I was just thinking now that right, there's a jazz orchestra in this isn't there mm-hmm. okay yep. right so sweet we should, Sue
1: and her society syncopators oh,
0: well, <laughs> well done and so we should rate it by instrument oh in a jazz orchestra, um, because it's as pointless as any other those um, So, uh, Andy, only give you a bit of time to think. <laughs> Rachel, this should come instinctive for you uh, as a jazz musician. What are you going to go for?
1: Well, it's not actually an instrument that's normally in a jazz band, but it's the instrument that Sugar uses, and that's a ukulele. Oh. It's also one of my favourite instruments too. So. It's a ukulele's worth of loveliness.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably not used in the, in a the jazz orchestra either, but I would say the correct rating for this film is a ruler bounced on the edge of a table and twanged.
0: <laughs> now, you see, for me, that 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 sounds like you like it.
1: That's one of my favourite
0: sounds of all time because you can you can move it up the notes, can't you? And you've got the, 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 the measurements there, distinctly yeah. the notes. I, I, yeah, I do have a lot of time on my hands. Um, I'm going to say it's the vocalist. Oh, He's the vocalist, of course, he's the vocalist because of Sugarcane Kowalski. Uh, and uh, what a performance. And uh, we thank Marilyn for it, apart from Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: wanna be loved by you, just you, nobody
0: else but you. You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Music was composed by Aaron Butcher and I played some synths on there too. If you've enjoyed the show and you would like to support us, you can go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the donate button and give us whatever you think we're worth. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible and get yourself a free audiobook by going to spoilerpodcast.co.uk and clicking on the Audible trial banner on the left-hand side. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, do it via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies commission to keep us supplied with the coffee and cake. Or you can help us out simply by telling your friends about us, sharing links to our show, or writing a nice review on iTunes.
2: Nobody else but you.
0: Next time on Spoiler. John Williams' novel, Stoner, was first published in 1965 to little interest. 50 years on, it became a huge sleeper success. We'll be finding out why. An occasional student who comes upon the name may wonder idly who William Stoner was, but he seldom pursues his curiosity beyond a
1: casual question.
0: If you'd like to contact us about anything else, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook, and go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. I
1: couldn't
2: aspire.
0: Spoiler is produced by Johnny Haw and is a Joe Schmo production. The show is recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln. Look, look at the palm trees, flying fish. Um. Some like it, but <laughs> <laughs>